Well, good morning, everyone. I am Jonathan Coleman, uh, one of the pastors here at Anderson Hills. I'm glad you tuned in this morning through our live stream. I, I pray that you are well and you are safe um, as we press on through this season uh, of our lives. Uh, I miss seeing you face to face, and know if you need anything, uh, please reach out to anyone. Uh, on our staff, and we will come alongside of you and hopefully help you uh, meet those needs. Uh, last Sunday was Easter, and Pastor Mark's uh, Easter message showed how the resurrection of Jesus Christ moves us from fear to joy. It was a phenomenal uh, proclamation about our Savior, and it truly blessed me, and I know it blessed my family. In our series titled The Story, we are moving through the Bible, uh, Bible chronologically, examining uh, many things in it. And today, we're going to look at the outpouring of the Holy Spirit and the birth of the church. Uh, this week, if you read through your Bible reading plan, which is, uh, you can access that on our website, you read about the power of the Holy Spirit, the dynamic ways in which God uses His people, the disciples, the apostles, to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so the book of Acts, which is written by the Apostle Luke, tells the story of the unique time of transition. And we see many changes and transitions from Jesus' earthly leadership to the Apostles' leadership. From hiding to boldness. From no spirit to the indwelling spirit. From national Israel to universal church. From Jerusalem to the world. From Jew to Gentile. From Judaism to Christianity. From synagogues to churches. And from law to grace. And so you see that in Acts and then throughout the New Testament. And beginning with the first chapter, St. Luke uh, writes to uh, a man named Theophilus. And he begins to write and tell him about what had taken place. How Jesus appeared to them over 40 days and taught them about the kingdom of God and the promises that were to come. Then just before Jesus ascended, he told them to wait for the promise of the Holy Spirit. And just before Jesus ascends to heaven, he gets, gives one more final instruction, and he tells them to wait. And it is strategic waiting. In Acts 1, it reads, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. He had told them to wait. And that is exactly what they did. They waited. They prayed. And you see, God's plan was to have the gospel proclaimed during Pentecost. And Pentecost is actually a Jewish festival. To the Hebrews, it was known as the festival of weeks. And actually, the word Pentecost, from the Greek word, means 50. And so the festival begins 50 days after the Passover and the festival was always celebrated in Jerusalem. And the Jews poured in from all known regions of even the world for these festivities. 
Scripture tells us how the festival of weeks was to be celebrated. Was to be celebrated in Leviticus twenty-three, Deuteronomy sixteen. You can take a look at those chapters. We learned that each person was to bring to God a special gift in proportion to the blessing of God on their lives. And all daily work was to be set aside. People were to gather for worship and rejoice before the Lord. Who was invited? Well, the scriptures say, you, your sons, your daughters, your men servants, your maidservants, the Levites in your towns, the aliens, the fatherless, and the widows living among you. Do you see how strategic this is? Just about everyone's invited to this festival. No wonder Jerusalem was crowded on that first Pentecost day. And so you see why Jesus said, wait, wait. <laughs> no wonder. There were so many different languages being spoken. And God's plan was to have that diversity there so that he could pour out his spirit upon everyone. in this beautiful timing. Absolutely perfect for the spirit of God to descend and birth the church. It was also the perfect time to bring in, to usher in a new era. Especially as the word got out that Jesus was alive. These rumors and people were trying to understand, but his disciples knew it. And so Pentecost ushered us into an age like no other. And so as we look at Acts 2, 1 through 13, here is how it happened. You could take a look at that with me if you have your Bibles at home or your Bible app. Acts 2, 1 through 13. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place, and then suddenly, like the blowing of a violent wind, came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be like tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on all of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now, there were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. And when they heard this sound, the crowd together in bewilderment asked, Aren't these who are speaking Galileans? How is it that, they need, they, that each of us hears them in our own native language? And then you see this list of where they're from. Parthians, Medes, Alamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Mesopotamia. Judea, Cappadocia, Pontius, Asia, Pergia, and Pamphylia, Egypt, and all parts of Libya and Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans, Arabs. We hear them declaring, declaring the wonders of God in our own tongue. Amazed and perplexed, they asked, what does this mean? Somehow, however, some made fun of them and said, oh, they've had too much wine to drink. You see, this power that's poured out is poured out for all. Power to usher in the rule of God to reign in every heart. These powerful, surrendered, obedient disciples are filled with God, his own spirit. And the symbolism is so a rich, violent wind, tongues of fire, people hearing and understanding in their own language, observers utterly amazed, and they hear these Galileans speaking their language, and it freaks them out. You see, the Holy Spirit gave them power to be witnesses. 
This is what happens when the Spirit comes into our lives. Our worlds are turned upside down. Our worlds are shaken, but then they're made right. Our senses are quickened and they come alive as we become witnesses. And we begin to see our feet become beautiful as we spread the good news. And we begin to be enabled to be utilized by God in supernatural ways as God's witnesses in this world. I tell you what, today, people need spirit-filled Christians to show God's transformational power. You see, there's a wonderful story I, I read about a very dignified pastor. And he was visiting a lady in a nursing home, and the lady was confined to a wheelchair. She couldn't walk. As the pastor stood to leave, the lady asked him to have a word of prayer. He sat down, gently took, his, took her hands, and in a somewhat perfunctory way, prayed that God would be with her and bring her comfort and strength. And lastly, he prayed for healing. When he finished praying, her face began to glow. And she softly said, Pastor, would you help me to my feet? Knowing what else to do, he helped her up. And at first she took a few uncertain steps and then she began to jump up and down and then she began to dance and shout and cry with happiness that she was healed. And the whole nursing home heard it. And after she was finally finished, this solemn pastor, he, he scampered to his car. He got out of there. He closed his car door. He, he grabbed a hold of his steering wheel and he prayed a short prayer to God. He said, Lord, don't ever do that to me again. You see, the supernatural can take place through our ministry, the continued ministry of Jesus Christ. And we need folks to expect the supernatural to happen, to believe it, to expect God to show up. We need people to have that healing hope in a time like today. We do, right now. In this time, we can be witnesses to God's work and the message and testimony of the gospel in our lives through us. I believe that God is getting the gospel through into homes everywhere and healing people of fear and healing people in so many ways spiritually. And it's happening and the Holy Spirit is doing that and leading us and moving through churches. And you know what? People are seeing a difference because of our witness, the power of that and they might be inquiring with questions about our love and our message and our ministry and outreach. As a matter of fact, they might be asking the same question they asked on that Pentecost morning. What does this mean? And we'll be able to share the impact of that life-changing message of the gospel as God, his own spirit, empowers us to be witnesses. So as we move on into the text, you hear that question come out. And then you hear some going, oh, they're just drunk with wine. And here's what happens. Watch how God uses a Holy Spirit-filled a Holy Spirit filled heart, a burning heart of Peter in these selected passages in Acts 2. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. Fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth, 
a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him. As you yourselves know, this man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross." But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep hold of him. Fellow Israelites, I can tell you confidently that the patriarch David died and was buried in his tomb is here to this day. And he was a prophet and knew that God had promised him an oath that he would place one of his descendants on the throne. And seeing what was to come, he spoke of the resurrection of the Messiah that he was not abandoned to the realm of the dead, nor did his body see decay. He was raised. He raised this Jesus to life, and we are witnesses of it, exalted to the right hand of God. He has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and poured out to what you see now and here. And God made this Jesus, whom you've crucified, both Lord and Messiah. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart. And they said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, repent, be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, the promises for you and your children, for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. And with many words he warned them and pleaded with them, Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. And those who accepted his message were baptized. And about 3,000 were added to the number that day. (laughs) Do you hear this? This is Peter. Remember Peter? You look back through the Gospels, we, we know his story. He's a fisherman called by Jesus. Turned into a disciple. Peter walked on water. He heard Jesus say, And I tell you, you are Peter. And on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not overcome it. However, just a few weeks ago in this story, uh, he denied Jesus three times before the rooster crowed. That same Peter ran to the empty tomb, looked in it. He heard the news that Jesus was risen, but he also thought that Jesus would not have anything to do with him because he denied him. But the Lord sought him out. He restored him. And he told Peter, feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. Do you love me? Do you love me? Feed my sheep. Well, folks, this is the first feeding. This dude is no longer a fisherman. He's restored. He's an apostle burning with a heart, preaching the gospel, power-filled. And this is the first sermon proclaimed to build the church. And the Holy Spirit, like Peter, gives us the power not only to be witnesses to the supernatural power of God, but also the power to proclaim the gospel. Peter told the story of Jesus in his Pentecost sermon. And he claims, he says, he really claims of all that we are witnesses to, we saw it. And when you really break down the specifics of Peter's sermon in its entirety, it's really his confession of faith and what he saw. And the people who heard it, they could say either yay or nay. You know, faith begins in us as we hear others speak of their faith, possibly through their minister 
or maybe through a Sunday school teacher or a life group uh, leader or a parent or a buddy or a coworker. And maybe sometimes those words are awkward or maybe their thoughts are simplistic, but the message gets across through the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And it's, it's more than a message that's delivered with enthusiasm or joy or fire. And that's cool when that happens, but it is a message that needs to be proclaimed through us and our personalities and through our gifts. Not necessarily here in this sanctuary, up in this pulpit. Faith is more caught than taught. And it happens through the power of the ministry for us to proclaim the gospel. That's the content of what he's talking about. That's the story. He's just telling the greatest story ever told. This is what faith substance gives. And it makes it come intelligible for a person and they hear it, they receive it. The good news of Christ whether preached from the pulpit or chatted uh, right now, maybe live stream and chatted in a chat room or a Zoom room or social distancing maybe from your backyard fence talking to your, your neighbor. It, it's, it's less a matter of teaching ideas, but just inviting people to enter in that story. You know, Peter knew it. Notice the simplicity of that sermon. Before his statement of faith, he simply tells it. His ministry, death, and resurrection. His relationship to David and that he was Lord and Messiah. And in his narrative, these Jews can identify with it. And Peter proclaimed it and he knew what he saw. And what happened? 3,000 people became Christians that day. God used a spirit-filled Peter and God can most sincerely and certainly use you. You don't have to be a preacher or an apostle. God just utilizes you because the power of His Holy Spirit gives us power to proclaim. I love uh, leading uh, spiritual retreats called the Walk to Emmaus. And, and I've had an opportunity to do many Walk to Emmaus as a spiritual director. And I love the prayer that is prayed before each talk that's given. And there's ten talks that are given by laity and five by clergy. Listen to this prayer. It's a Pentecost prayer. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful and kindle in us the fire of your Lord, love. Send forth your spirit and we shall be created and you shall renew the face of the earth. O God, who by the light of the Holy Spirit did instruct the hearts of the faithful, grant that by that same Holy Spirit we may be truly wise and ever enjoy your consolations through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. A couple months ago, just the end of February, I got to see talks by these lay laymen. <laughs> they weren't clergy, they were just lay people. And some of you might be watching right now. And these guys gave the most powerful testimonies of the gospel working in them that I have ever heard through God's Holy Spirit empowerment. And in these talks were stories of imperfections. There, were, there was a history of fears and maybe failures and experiences that deeply hurt. But the power of those men in the story was amazing. There was testimony about how God entered into their lives and changed that story. And the Holy Spirit ministry occurred and entered in, and there was testimony and proclamation. You know, God desires to use his followers. Listen to what Peter writes in his first letter. This is Peter. <laughs> Chapter 2, 9. But you are a chosen race. 
a holy priesthood, a holy nation, a royal priesthood, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. You were once not a people, but now you're God's people. Once you had received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Do you hear that? Peter writing these incredible words, this Galilean fisherman, how through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, if you read through the New Testament and through Acts, these disciples are spirit-led and they're teaching these truths and they're seeing the activity and ministry of God happen right before them. How did you get called out of darkness by God, he's asking. How were you brought near by his mercy? You were once separated. And he understands that completely. Each one of us, if you think about it, is a sum of our experiences, our story. And it can be very grieving or sorrowful stories. Maybe mom and dad's divorce or losing a job or a loss of a loved one or rejection or postponing even a significant event because of a pandemic. These experiences, they do shape us. And we hope the memories will become more and more better and make us smile. We hope these memories will outweigh those bitter ones, those scarring ones. There's no guarantee. But the guarantee comes in this. With these challenges that happen in our life story, when we completely surrender our lives and receive the empowerment of the Holy Spirit as a surrendered person in Jesus Christ, God's story enters in and begins to minister healing in our story and in our past, present, and future. And we hope those memories continue, and I've seen that happen in my life. And we find that our life stories include His life, His risen life, which is eternal. And Peter knew it. He saw it. And we can see that. God is writing a story now in you through the gospel. And his spirit can dwell in you. Peter understood this when he stood up with the eleven and he spoke. And you see through Acts. You see just this amazing ministry of the disciples. You, you see ministry of, of people running alongside of chariots. You see ministries of people going in and out of houses. You see people just amazingly healed. And Jesus said, you'll do even greater works than me. And you read that in this incredible book. Let's look what the church began to do as his ministry began to happen through the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 2, right at the end of the passage, 42 through 47. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and signs were performed by the apostles. All the believers were together. They had everything in common, and they sold their property and possessions and gave to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God, enjoying the favor of all people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Continues the waves and the ripples of the Holy Spirit ministry. You know, our lives are not destined for disappointment because of those frustrations or failures or maybe those old compulsions that reign in us. And it seems like they do that for years. Our lives are destined for these kinds of things through the ministry of the Holy Spirit that desires to heal us and to give us wholeness and salvation. 
His own Holy Spirit teaches us how to live and be the church and do all of this together, what I just read. Why? Power for ministry. Empowerment for ministry. This is Jesus' ministry replication, man. Power to minister just like him. And not only does the Holy Spirit empower us, but the Holy Spirit strengthens us, teaches us the truth of God, grows our character to be more like Jesus. The Holy Spirit in us assures us that we're never alone in difficult times, even such as this. That same Holy Spirit reminds us that God will work in all things together for the good of those who love him and who are called by his purposes. You know, God the Father missionally sent God the Son. The Son tells them to receive the Holy Spirit and missionally sends them. And we are missional people. We are sent. Things may be different right now, but we're still sent to witness and proclaim and minister in his name. And Jesus says, I am sending you. What an incredible calling. There's no way we could live this mission of Jesus with our own energy and skills. We can't do this gospel missional stuff on our own. We need his power, and he desires to give us his power for ministry. And Jesus gives us something so much more, and it's an amazing indwelling Holy Spirit. It shows us. This past Thursday, uh, Laura Berger and uh, Sue Lee and uh, Tony Cornell, uh, we, we were, there's a bunch of us at, at Salem campus, and we had bags of groceries. And I went and got 35 uh, foot-long subway subs, just a different variety. And we were hanging the new letters at our Salem sign. And we, yeah, we, had, we, had our, we had our masks on, and we were staying six feet. People were just opening up their trunks, and we were putting these groceries in and the subs in. And you could hear how these people are just touched by that. And we gave to those who had need. And we have to do these kinds of things in different ways. And you know what? God will lead us. In creative ministry, the Holy Spirit will be faithful in a time such as these, in this missional ministry. Because when we're filled, we're sent. That's who we are. And so pray. Join me in praying today how you can minister. You can do this Holy Spirit, Jesus ministry together with me, together as Anderson Hills. I want to invite you guests to join us. There's so many opportunities. My brother Mark just read about them. Get on the website and join us and connect with your neighbors and show them the power for ministry and proclamation and witness. Will you join me in prayer? Almighty God, uh, we thank you for the gift of your Holy Spirit. We see the testimonies poured out by your Spirit upon the apostles, the disciples. And they went and did amazing works in your name. We thank you for your Holy Spirit and the way it ministers to us in these times. You give us comfort. You give us strength. You're the advocate, the paraclete. And I pray through this live stream into the living rooms or wherever, dining rooms, family rooms, basements, wherever, that the Holy Spirit would enter into your people. And Lord, when the Holy Spirit does, we're no longer the same. And we love you. Heal us. Heal our world. And bless our hands and feet as we minister in your name. Amen.